Welcome to the Department of Sound. We thank you for sticking around with us. We thank you for listening to our podcast. We thank you for sharing our podcast. Keep on bringing the reviews and it's because of you we get better. This interview is going to be an interesting one. It's with a strong and powerful woman. She was CPP's running mate in the 2012 elections. And she is Nana Akusuya Frimpoma, Jan Tuahima of the Doma traditional area. This interview... It's quite long, so we are going to bring it to you in chapters, four different chapters, you know. So keep on listening and tell someone to, tell someone to, let's dip right into the interview. So so you are a Hema or a queen mother for the matter. Kindly tell us your traditional area. Wonderful. I'm the, uh, what they call the Joint Wahima of the Doma traditional area, Um that is in the Doma districts, and that means the Doma, Boma, uh, Tra, and Abisim. So it's the traditional area, the Grand Wahima of the Doma traditional area. So I know we have the Inkoswahima who takes care of development and all that, but Grand Wahima is quite new to me. What does a Grand Wahima, you know, do? Oh, Grand Wahima means, as the word stands for, Jantua. when you say Grand in their can. It means somewhere that you go to say a problem so that the person intercedes for you. So we are the tool that intercedes or uh, stands in or counsels the, the, the chief and all the traditional councils. So if there's a problem between two chiefs, if there's a problem between the chief and his uh, subjects or whatever the issue is, they would come to us and then we would intercede and we'll be able to talk to both parties and find a common understanding and move on. So we are the Jantua. So any, that is a statement. So Jantua will be, aha. Uh-huh. So, you know, the Jantua Hema or the Doma traditional council. How was it like when the CPP called on you to be a running mate um, to Dr. Abu Sakara? Um, because you came out, you came from nowhere. Have you been a part of the CPP for a long time? And how was it like when you were called upon to be the running mate? Um, that is a very interesting question because a lot of people um, were wondering how, why I would join CPP at the time I did. The truth of the matter is that. I have always been involved in activity, like social community activities and trying to help the youth over the past 16, now I'll say 18 years now. So the, the CPP called me based on my activities. No, I hadn't been an active part of CPP at all. It was my father who was a part of CPP and I hadn't even been involved in any kind of partisan politics in the country. But I was called to take that position based on a lot of young people who were part of my group and movement had graduated and gone on to the level and taking positions in CPP and other uh, areas. And so I think when it became clear that they were looking for somebody with the kind of background I had, the, my name came up and I, I accepted it because I, I believe in the ideals of, 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 of CPP. But, but, but don't you think that they, they wanted more women, more you know, powerful women like yourself to be part of their team? 
Precisely, that's the point I'm saying. That's why I said when the position, when it came up that they needed somebody with my kind of ideals. They needed a woman, they needed someone that had the social, who was in, with the people, and somebody that understood the needs and concerns of the Ghanaian youth and Ghanaian people. And, and, I, and, I, and I just think that my name came up and they thought that uh, this is somebody that could do the job. So they called me and I, I just accepted because, like I said, I, I'm already out there looking for an avenue. My, I've been doing this by myself as an individual and I felt like um, this is an opportunity to be able to do more on a larger platform to affect the lives of people because at the end of the day, people don't want to do politics. However, whatever we like, whether we like it or not, we are being led by politicians. And if we woke up today and the country is at war, it is as a result of that. So it is important that we all get involved. Um, for a while now, um, from from 92, if I'm, if I'm right, it's just been two parties. If it's not the MPP, it's the NDC. Um, did you have hope when you were called upon to be a running mate to to Dr. Abu Sakara for the CPP, um, did you have hope that the CPP was going to win that general election? Uh, that is a good question. And, and, and I think that uh, a lot of people ask me that, especially my friends and people even in the opposition came up with so many, many uh, ideas as to why I joined. You see, for me in particular, joining CPP was just like a next step or another step to what I was doing in the past. When I meet a young person in school, staying home, a school-age person, who is out of school and I step in to help the person, my thoughts don't even think of, can I help the person to the end? I just see if I have 500 Ghana in my pocket and I can help someone get to school, I try to help the person get to school. What happens next time? I don't want to think about that. The only thing is that you just do what you can do at a time. It is not about the siren. It is not about necessarily sitting there. It's the platform to be able to voice your, your ideas. It is the platform to be able to let people listen to you. You understand? It is not about if you get there, all the better. But it is a step. As you just said, CPP hasn't been there for a while. Young people of this nation, especially the youth who have the energy, haven't even heard about what CPP, don't even know what CPP did as a party because there's only two parties. They don't even know that the NDC itself was built on the strength of CPP, that most people of NDC today are CPP people in NDC. So when NDC is a new party that came out of the PNDC, so when they, they decide to go for the, uh, the, the party politics or the democracy, whatever we have today, they then set up P, uh, NDC. But you can't set up a party in vacuum. So the people who joined, most of them were CEP people. So um, if you ask me that question, uh, yes, I, 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 we, we all knew that and we still know that today, but that shouldn't stop us from doing what we know is right. You know how society works. Otherwise, slavery would still have been there and everything would still be there. There must be a point in life that you must believe in something. And if you don't think that what you believe in is being done, you must take some steps. So for me, the question, the answer is clear. I did not think through it. And until today, any regrets? None whatsoever. Because we all must do what we believe we can do at a time that we must do them. What happens after should be as a result of, yes. 
and I'm not saying this because I am in your presence, but I personally think that Dr. Abu Sakara is very smart. Um, he was filled with so many good ideas. You know, he would have done some good for Ghana. And, oh, how was it like working with such a man? That, that is so great. You, you have to, you know how, even from a distance, a lot of people will see, oh, he's, he's really presidential, he's this. But that was not it. There's a certain humility that he has. And a certain, I haven't seen somebody from that level that really can listen to people. Whatever you, can, you discuss with him, whatever ideas you have, he just absorbs them. As long as he knows he's going to work for the cause and the good of what we are all, we all believe in, which is to make Ghana work, work again. You understand? We don't believe Ghana is working now. And he says, Ghana must work. Ghana must work again. So working with Abu or Dr. Sakara was, for me, one of the uh, revealing things. It just brought to me um, closer to someone that really has the good of Ghana, the goodness. The great. He really wants to see Ghana work. Just that politics in this country is at a different, has taken a different turn. And it is my prayer and my hope and my strong resolve and believe in everything that the Ghanaian youth will take over the power. Not power in terms of ruling, but power in terms of control, as in directing, directing where the country moves. So that when it is your turn and your children's turn and your grandchildren and our grandchildren, they would have a better country. Things shouldn't move in a particular direction just because you met it. No, 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 no. If we did, and I keep saying this, if we did, we'll still have slavery in, this, uh, in the world and we'll still have so many injustices. But yet there are people that have stood against whatever they have been there for centuries, knowing that, no, 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 this is not the way things should go. There must be an alternative. Let's give an option. Let's do something different. So for me, uh, I worked with somebody that really believed in the country and believed that things can work in Ghana. That, that kind of hope and belief that has, is gone. We are just following the crowd. We are just moving in a certain direction. Everybody is doing something, but we don't even know where it's taking us. And we know where it's taking us. It's not where we want to get to. That's the sad part. We all know everybody in this country, including the leaders, know where Ghana is going. It's not where Ghana must be going. Yet, we are it's like in a boat directed towards a direction that we don't even know how to redirect it. And that, for me, is sad. From the things that I've read online and from the little that I've heard here, I can sense, and I know that you're a very, very strong woman. Um, did politics change you in any way or has politics changed you in any way? That's also a very good one. Did politics change me? Politics can change me. Sometimes either will slow you down and makes you readjust. You see, it depends on the reason for entering politics. I did not enter politics because I needed to be recognized or you enter politics because you must, you have some other, like most people are entering politics now. I entered politics without thinking. I entered it because there was an opportunity for me to be able to do the things I already do that I believe in, which is to make Ghana work, which is for me was a focus on the youth and everybody else. Ghana, Ghana where we are placed today is sad. 
You understand? It's a very sad place. It's not like one wants to give this gloomy picture of, of a situation that's hopeless. No, no, no. I didn't say it's hopeless. I said it's a sad arrangement. First of all, before you can change anything, you must know where you are. So has politics changed me? No, it hasn't because the situation hasn't changed. I have changed in the sense that it has slowed me down because there's so much that politics in Ghana now throws at you that when you find them, it just like hits you in a way that you need to really recoup. But no, 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 no. What I have rather come to realize is that partisan or party politics, as we have it set up in Ghana, is a very complex structure. The structure itself is, a, is, is an imported structure, which is the same that we have in the US and in UK and other places. The difference, though, is that within these structures outside, we have, they have, it was built from their own institutions that they have put in place over periods of time. So what has happened over the years is that when you look at other countries that are practicing the same kind of politics that we have, have copied, <laughs> let me put it in that way, you'd realize that they have institutions that work. The police service is working, the media works, everything else is working. So you don't have that kind of autonomous, that kind of power, and, and, and which directs the whole system to the extent that even when something is going wrong, there's nothing you can do. Anybody can say anything they want to say. It is so difficult to hold them, the judiciary, everything. In Ghana, the politics that we have in this country has been built on a foundation that, was, that, is, not, that is not conducive to really democracy and moving a country forward. We, are, we need to reorient and rearrange that in a way. For me, I find that as a major challenge. Typical example, before you become a president of this country, you need to go through primaries. And then you need to go through your primaries and then they have to be elected by the, the party. Then the party elects you as a candidate. Then you now go in there for the main election. And then when you become one, by the time you get there, you know and I know that the energy, the money, and the, everything that puts you in that position, there's very little you can do. Meanwhile, the Constitution has given you so much power. So definitely... It is directed in being able to be, be to sustain that system that has brought you there. And once you are also there, you only have four years to decide whether you come back. And by the time you get to know whether I'm here or not, and you find your foot or your standing, a year is already gone. You have two years that you can't do much. And then another, the last year is where we have now. That kind of structure. Unless you have the police on you, the, the judiciary working well so that they look, they can really, really be on your tail. Unless you have media that is not influenced on your tail. Unless you have all the structures and the institutions that are working really well, what you would have is that you would have a party, a government that is more like a party trying to bring back a party into, into, into power and living and making sure that this party comes back to power. And, and, and for me, and that government also has so much power, an executive government, the executive government that we have 
have in Ghana, plus the, what I've just told you, is why Ghana is not working. Same with the parliamentary system. The parliamentary, the parliamentarian is supposed to represent the people of his constituency. However, he's brought there by primaries, and when he gets there, the constitution says that take 60% of the, uh, the, the, the ministers from parliament. So by the time you pick your 60%, if I'm a member of the, the ruling government, I'm not going to be able to say anything that I want to say, because if I do, first of all, the person is not going to pick me, and number two, if I do, if I even don't agree with my party on issues that I know is wrong, what's going to happen is that I will not be re-elected by the primary system. So that's what I'm saying. We need to look at that, and without looking at that, we are just going to be talking as we are doing today. The people who are even the, I'll say, the, the, the I will I say maybe the culprits, they are even a victim by the system themselves. You understand? So they are forced to find money. They are forced to be doing things which even sometimes they really, really know. I mean, look at it. How many times since you've been growing up, since you said 92, huh? That you've been aware the parliament of this country. There's been issues, debate, and one part has gone to the other part to agree on them. If it has happened, maybe so might have been just once, so we don't even remember. Yet when you look at the debates going on in in, 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 U, in the US, you'd see that the debates amongst themselves on bills and issues that they brought in, it didn't matter what was coming from the, 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 the Republican or the Democrat. Did you vote for this bill? Were you part of the child's uh, support for children? Were you for women? Those are the issues that they are looking at. We don't look at issues, so we can never represent the people. The Parliamentarian represents his party. The president represents the party. Unless, unless we look at that, Ghana is moving nowhere. Um, you were also active in, in the United States of America during the 2008 elections that saw President Barack Obama come to power. Um, we want to know how you became a part of his campaign team and some of the experiences that you had during this time of your life. Okay, great. Um, yes, I was. I, I, I was very, very active. More, I'd go beyond active being there. We were part of the system. We'll say that we're part of the people that turned Virginia blue. Um, the, the reason why I was, I was there with my daughter to, in school. And my kids were there, so I'd gone there to just give them the kind of support that, you know, for teenagers and young people, it gets to a point where you need to go give them more than just a moral support. So I was there for a while, about a year, two years to three years. And just about that time, Barack, I mean, the, the, the politics in the U.S. started. Because I wasn't in politics in Ghana then, but like I told you, I'm always one of those people who believe in some issues and I believed that it was necessary for a black person to take that too. It didn't matter to me. And fortunately for us, we had somebody that was good. So it was important that we all help bring that thing up because for me, I don't want to say this, but I believe that I saw Barack Obama as the Jesus of the Christians. And why am I saying that? The psychological barrier that we all have as a people, both from the black, the whites and the black. Because for the black person, there was a limit to as to how much what we can do for ourselves within the context of the US and other places because of the history that we have gone through over how many years? Five, six hundred years of slavery. So when you are subjected to such inhumane 
actually for centuries. You just accept it as your reality. Within, even when your brain tells you this is not it, it's very difficult to break a pattern because we are, we are creatures of habit. And once you get used to a particular habit for a, a long a period of time, you just can't just break it. And we are also de deletion creatures. What it means is that your brain deletes what it doesn't need. So when you have been conditioned for a period of time, it is very difficult for you to see the opportunities that are available to you because something else is telling you something different from what you are used to. And so for me, I, I saw the, the Barack Obama thing as a, 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 a God-given a responsibility that we all have as a nation, as a people, as a race to help. So I put in my 120%. I'm sure he doesn't even know what we did. So my daughter then was in high school, so I asked him to, her to volunteer. So that's how I said. I went to volunteer in the office. She came to volunteer. And then before I realized, she, they said she's a precinct head. So they, they needed to bring the voting to the to the community, the prison, they, they, they like would say the electoral area. So our of, uh, my house became the present office in the Virginia particular community in Fairfax. So on Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they would move the office to our house. Yes. So from there, we did the door-to-door campaign. People would come in there, come and take the brochure, go out, come back. So that's what happened. The, the two people would come to the house, bring their boxes. On the box, they write the fourth sapon. Okay? They made it like it's a war. <laughs> you understand? So they'd come in. And, and for me, we did that till the day of the final election day. Everything, we did that. So um, even on the day that after the voting, that the group of young men the, 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 the graduates who had volunteered their time, taken off from school, we all met in a pub, okay, with about five blacks and the rest. And they were the real people that turned Virginia blue. And we are all part of it. it was a, it's, it's, it's one of those moments that when you, you can't, you, 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 you can never, ever relive. You understand? It, it's, it's, you just have to be there. You have to experience the feeling to know how it feels to have made, brought him there. Because for me, eh, Bringing Obama there simply meant that nothing was impossible to any, but not just to the black person, but to the white person. Most importantly, the white person that saw you blacks as a cursed race or somebody can, that can make it automatically, his own brain or her own brain would just know that no, it's possible. People haven't done it for reason A, B, C, D, but they can do it. And, and, and one of the things that you know what motivated me the most to, for Obama eh, was his father. Anytime I saw the face of the father and I saw that flat nose, that very dark skin, oh my God, I said, no, 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 no. This is not like a common, but this is a, an African man like my uncle, like my own brother. You know, I stand, it's like, it's one of you. So we did, we worked hard. We worked hard. There was a time that um, when O'Reilly was supposed to be the deciding factor between Obama and Hillary. We went there. I drove five and a half hours with my daughter. We went, not, not the one in the high school, but the one in the university at that time. We went there. We got there late. We went house to house. We worked about 11 p.m. Then I had to find a place to sleep. We were going to sleep somewhere. We ended up, I was using the GPS. And you know how the GPS can also mess up sometimes? They, they took us to a house that was not the actual address. We got down. My daughter came from the car. I was just getting ready to come out. And something just told me 
I said, I said, Margaret, get back in the car and close the door. I don't know why I said that. So she entered the car, closed it, because I thought that the woman had spoken to the woman. And I felt like if she, that was a house, that time that we got there, she that should have been at the gate or something. But it was taking a while for her to come out. And I was parked at the garage, you know? I said, Margaret, get back in the car. By the time I, she got back from the car, she got into the, back into the car. And I just called the woman. I said, listen, I am, she said, no, but I'm standing at my gate. I said, no, 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 we are in the wrong place. So, and it was so dark. So I was trying to reverse. Then I saw somebody open the garage door. You wouldn't imagine how huge the dogs were. And the guy had a gun, okay? <laughs> I reversed. I, then I opened, I was so afraid I might start shooting. I opened the door. I said, I said, sir, I'm lost, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This one they say the, the redneck, you understand? They had um, a boat there, there was their their home. I had gone to the back door, wow. sort of. So he could have shot me freely. Yeah. So I reversed quickly out of the of the asphalt of his yard and I shouted from that. So let me start shouting before he even shoots where somebody can I said, I am lost, say I'm lost, I'm lost, lost. <laughs> I couldn't sleep the whole night. Wow. I had nice, wow. I said, my God. So from that, the next day, we slept in the hotel. <laughs> That's how I got afraid I was. Wow. But for me, that was an experience that um, I will never forget. And from then, we did so many things for Obama. And that is why when I came back in 2008, I, 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 I was really famed and ready to work. And then to, for no reason, I was called to do this in 2012. So basically, I have it in me. It's not because of uh, CPP. I believe that um, when you believe in something, you must do it. And when in your own small little way, you must contribute. So it was my, it's, it's just my way of contribution when I'm in politics. I'm not in politics for the reasons that Ghanaians are in politics for or think people are in politics for. And, and I don't blame them because you can see young people now enter politics and immediately they enter politics. They've never worked before. They own homes, they own houses. They, it's sad. It's pathetic. You understand? Mm. And I think um, the institutions that are not working, the institutions were working, somebody must answer, how did you make money to buy this house? How did you make money to buy this uh, uh, vehicle? Nobody's, that is what I mean by the institutions not working. You can't do that in any part of the world that's serious, they would investigate you. At least your IRS, your taxes must tell how you made that money. If you can show that you have made paid enough taxes, made enough income, you can't own that property. It's not possible, but not in Ghana. So that's what I meant by the institutions are not working. And once they're not working, you don't have those structures. And you have that kind of executive power and the kind of uh, political system you have, it is nothing but the, the equation ends to corruption at this Corruption, corruption with impudence. I mean, impunity. People will just not listen to you. They don't care. They will say anything because they must sustain what they have. You understand? And they have a responsibility to the people who have brought them to where they are to continue with that. And so you can't even continue to blame them either. We must change the system to be able to, 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 to do something. And the, do you know the easiest way to change the system? Put MPP, NDC... To, for a, a breathing space, give them a period where they can be friends and they, they can go back and just realize that, oh, apparently the Ghanaian cannot be taken for granted. Then we will force the system to work. That's, that's, that's one of the ways to change that system.
And with that, we come to the end of the first chapter of our interview with the CPP running mates for the 2012 elections and also Janto Ahima of the Doma traditional area, Nana Akosuya Frempoma. Chapter 2 will come to you very soon. So stay tuned and keep on listening to the Department of Sound. <laughs>